Eight o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, September 20th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. SUNY Potsdam President Suzanne Smith has announced the university will cut up to 14 degree programs and eliminate an unknown number of faculty and staff positions. Without immediate action, the future of this institution that we all know and love is uncertain. These are difficult words to say, and I know hard ones to hear. But there is a way forward. This comes as the university faces a $9 million annual deficit. Catherine Wheeler has more coming up. Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty stopped by Malone on Monday to announce his state funding, announced state funding for a new year-round rec center. Tolls are going up on the thruway. A new poll finds New Yorkers are more worried about the cost of living than the migrant crisis. And we've got music and conversation with Inuit singer-songwriter Alyssa P. Isaac. Her new cover album appropriates and interprets 70s rock hits to process her community's culture. Loss. I think making this album also reminded me what was behind those beautiful, what looked like beautiful dancing, um, fun memories. There was also this underlayer of what we were going through. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Mountain Orthotic and Prosthetic Services, a full-service practice committed to providing care for patients of all ages with offices in Lake Placid, Plattsburgh, and Malone. Details and referrals at mountainonp.com. And by Blue Seed Studios, a multidisciplinary art center featuring classes for adults and youth, concerts, art exhibits, and more, blucstudios.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. SUNY Potsdam announced yesterday that it needs to make dramatic changes to address major financial challenges. As part of a new downsizing plan, up to 14 degrees could be eliminated, and an unknown number of faculty and staff will lose their jobs. Catherine Wheeler reports. SUNY Potsdam needs to bring down its annual structural deficit of $9 million. That's why President Suzanne Smith gathered the community inside of Snell Music Theater on Tuesday to hear about how the administration plans to begin tackling the problem. We have failed to address the problem in any substantial way for far too long. Yes, I recognize that state support has not kept pace with our needs. And yes, I understand that we're facing increased costs in the coming years. But we must confront this stark reality. There will be no bailouts. This challenge is ours and ours alone to solve. SUNY Potsdam's enrollment has declined by 43% since 2010. At the same time, staffing numbers have not changed. Once monthly salaries are paid, Potsdam is already in debt with nothing left to fund other day-to-day operations. This is clearly not sustainable. She said the new goal is to build the college's budget around a steady enrollment of 2,500 students. That's about as many students who are enrolled for this fall semester. Smith announced 14 academic degrees are being considered for elimination. She said all students will be able to complete their degrees before programs are discontinued. The programs include two graduate degrees, one in public health, and the other is the Music Performance Masters under the Crane School of Music. 
The undergraduate degrees include arts management, dance, theater, French and Spanish, physics, and both bachelors of science and arts degrees in chemistry. Interim Provost Alan Hersker says the administration will begin working with the faculty to decide what programs to discontinue. What we'll be doing in the next two weeks is meeting with stakeholders for each of those programs uh, to present the data that we used to uh, uh, make these decisions, but also to get their input. Uh, I think we're, we're really taking a holistic approach to this. Uh, a lot of these the programs are interdependent. According to the tentative plan SUNY Potsdam has released, the decisions on the program cuts will be sent to SUNY system administration in late October. Smith said this will lead to faculty and staff cuts. We are making difficult but necessary decisions for our campus as a whole based on hard facts and given our limited resources. Smith said the university will accomplish some of its cuts through retirement and attrition. The union that represents SUNY faculty and staff says it shouldn't have gotten this bad, and there are other ways to fix the financial problems. Fred Kowal is the president of the United University Professions. What SUNY is doing now is undertaking cuts that are being done under the gun of a financial crisis, and that will lead to mistakes. He said SUNY has money from the state budget to handle this year's deficit, which would give them time to make better long-term decisions. Get rid of the deficit put the institution on solid financial ground, and then let's all sit down and make a plan going forward in terms of making the institution strong. Not crisis management or crisis planning, but well-thought-out, long-term strategic planning that will most benefit all stakeholders. SUNY Potsdam is a major anchor of the St. Lawrence County economy, employing hundreds of people and generating $350 million in economic activity, according to university officials. We've gone through a a period of tense concern and uncertainty, essentially fear, to all of a sudden, yeah, our uh, many of our worst fears have proved to be true. Greg Gardner is a SUNY Potsdam business professor and chair of the faculty senate. And so now I think there's a great deal of anger and resentment. There's a there's a lot of shock, um, just at the the scope. Cutting 14 programs, some of which have been on our campus for many, many years. That's an almost unprecedented event on our campus. He said faculty is going to work to have as much of an impact as they can have on decisions to cut programs. SUNY Chancellor John King was at the announcement. He said these changes should have happened a lot sooner. He said while the scale of the financial problem at SUNY Potsdam is unique, campuses across the SUNY system and the country are facing similar challenges. We have to take an honest look at... 10 years uh, of enrollment change. And over the long term, Potsdam can be a healthy, sustainable 2,500 student campus. Uh, But that means the expenses have to match uh, the revenue. SUNY Potsdam's president, Suzanne Smith, said the ultimate goal is to make the university sustainable and not just get it through this crisis. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio in Potsdam. Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty was in Malone on Monday to announce state funding for a new year-round sports facility. The Speaker and Assemblyman uh, Speaker and Assemblyman Billy Jones, both Democrats, announced three million dollars for the upcoming Franklin County Recreational Center. Hasty said investing in open, safe places for kids became a priority throughout the pandemic. So I just think this is an absolutely uh, wonderful project um, and something that. You know, people should be able to use our all year round. Uh, so we don't want this to be a three season. We want it to be a four season um, so that 
families can have access to it every single day of, of the year. Officials said the county rec center is in its early stages. According to Jones's office, it'll be a public-private partnership between state, county, and local resources. Jennifer Hathaway runs the Malone Recreational Park. She said she's proud of Malone community members for coming together on projects like this. Everywhere I go as the director of the park, people share stories of growing up at the park and spending all of their summer here. And I really want to bring that back for today's children in our community. And Malone has really rallied around this project and lots of other community projects in our efforts to revitalize Malone. So thank you to Malone and all of you for your support of the park. Hasty also spoke about the state's ongoing migrant crisis. He reiterated previous comments he's made that immigration is a federal issue. We really should be calling on our federal uh, uh, delegation, uh, you know, and the president to do all that they can uh, for New York. Hasty said there's currently no discussion about going back into session to address the crisis, though he's open to trying to solve issues in the state. He also echoed Governor Kathy Hochul's calls for the federal government to grant work permits to the asylum seekers. The village of Saranac Lake is launching a pilot program that will make Uber rides more affordable for some residents. Lucy Grindon reports. Starting on October 2nd, Saranac Lake will cover half the cost of all Uber rides within 20 miles of village limits for eligible people. Those who live on low incomes, have disabilities, or are 60 years old or over. Franklin County does have a public bus system, but only three bus routes operate in Saranac Lake. Mayor Jimmy Williams says getting around is a challenge for a lot of people. The biggest thing is frequency and and location, right? We're so spread out up here that if you get dropped off at Newberry's parking lot to get to a, a doc's appointment, is pretty tough. To get the discounted rides, eligible people will apply for the program online. We're going to do our best to have it on your honor system, but if it's being abused, then we'll have to start verifying. After the village approves applicants, they'll receive special voucher codes. And so you open up your Uber app and you put in your voucher number and it costs half the normal price. So whether it's to pick up a sick kid from school or get to the grocery store or get to work or whatever. It's going to allow people easier uh, movement in the area. The pilot program will last for six months. It'll let the village gauge demand for rides and see what the most requested routes are. One possible hurdle for the program is a scarcity of drivers. There are only a few currently working in the village. Right now, you know, the demand for Uber is low, so the driver's are very few and far between. And so I think with the increased demand, we will have an increased number of folks um, interested in driving Uber. And so the rest of the community will be able to open an app and actually see one or two vehicles that they could ask for a ride. The village has budgeted $20,000 to pay for the pilot program. After it's over, Williams says the village may apply for grant funding to continue the service. Lucy Grindon, North Country Public Radio.
listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's 8-11. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, singer-songwriter Elizabeth Isaac grew up in a small Inuit town in northern Quebec. She lives in Montreal now. She's out with a cover album that reinterprets 70s rock hits in order to process her community's cultural losses. We'll hear more from her coming up in just a few minutes right here on Northern Light. Music by a group called Rights in Tongue out of Edwards, St. Lawrence County. Check out more of their music anytime on our website, ncpr.org slash underscore. Northern Light is supported by Fort De La Presentation, home of the Abbey PK Walking Trail, open seven days a week from sunrise to sunset. Fort1749.org. And St. Lawrence Nurseries in Potsdam, providing the North Country with cold, hardy fruit and nut trees for nearly 100 years. SLNGrow.com. The New York State Thruway Authority unanimously approved increasing tolls on the roadway this week by 5% next year and by another 5% in 2027. The authority's chief financial officer, David Malone, said the increases come after several public hearings and over 200 public comments received. As you're aware, in 2020, uh, the authority lost close to $144 million due to traffic reductions that occurred during the pandemic. Malone said that even with the increases, toll rates on the thruway will remain among the lowest in the nation. He said providing a safe and reliable highway requires significant and sustained capital investment. The money needed to make these capital investments comes almost exclusively from tolls. The authority does not receive any dedicated federal or state funding. Thruway officials note that 75% of the bridges on the thruway are over 60 years old. The toll increases will help preserve and rebuild that infrastructure. A new poll finds that New Yorkers are concerned about the influx of tens of thousands of migrants into the state in recent months, but they're more worried about the cost of living. Karen DeWitt reports. Siena College pollster Steve Greenberg says 80% of New Yorkers believe that the cost of living is a problem, which includes the cost of groceries, gas, and rent or a mortgage. A plurality named that concern as the biggest issue facing the state. The winner there, 27% said the cost of living in the state. The second tier of issues basically tied. 19% said crime. 18% said the recent influx of migrants. 17% said affordable housing. Those concerns were followed by health care, the environment, and the brain drain of educated people leaving the state. Greenberg says given the high rate of inflation experienced since the pandemic, those responses make sense. But he says he was surprised by how many New Yorkers said they think the overall quality of life in the state is declining. Only 14% of New Yorkers say it's getting better. 27% say it's staying the same. 57% of New Yorkers say the quality of life in the state is getting worse. He says Republicans were more negative, with 81% saying things are getting worse, but a plurality of Democrats agree with that. 
Despite the pessimism, Governor Kathy Hochul's favorability rating and job approval ticked up slightly from a low point in August. 40% view her favorably, while 41% do not. But that's better than the 46% unfavorable rating the governor received just a few weeks ago. Her job approval rating also gained a couple of points. 48% of respondents now approve of the job she's doing as governor. Her numbers are up a little bit, nothing to write home about, but she at least broke her five-month trend of uh, numbers dropping. And finally, New Yorkers do not seem very enthusiastic about the likely major party candidates for the 2024 presidential race. 62% believe Democratic President Joe Biden is unfit for another four-year term, while 60% say Republican former President Donald Trump is unfit to serve. One-third say neither are fit to run. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And the Lewis County Department of Motor Vehicles is closed this week while it moves to a new spot at its current address. The DMV is located at 7513 East State Street in Lowville. When it reopens to the public on Monday, it'll be located on the right side of a new addition to that space. Lewis County residents who need to perform DMV transactions this week can go to the DMVs in Jefferson, St. Lawrence, and Oneida counties. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, music and conversation with Montreal based singer songwriter Alyssa P. Isaac. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. We'll hear about the mental health benefits of immersive birding experiences. That's just ahead at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Three days away from the start of fall, and the weather looks great. Sunshine today, tomorrow, Friday, partly sunny on Saturday, the first day of autumn. Highs this afternoon in the 60s, near 70. Light winds out of the south-southwest. Clear tonight, maybe some areas of fog overnight. Lows dipping into the 40s and then tomorrow, sunny, a high near 70. Sunshine highs in the low to mid-70s on Friday and at this point, uh, partly sunny skies Saturday and Sunday upper 60s near 70. Right now in Canton, sunny and 47 degrees. This next conversation contains mention of suicide. It's about eight minutes long. And at the northernmost tip of Quebec's Arctic is the Inuit community of Saluit. It's only accessible by plane. And that's where singer-songwriter Elisipi Isaac grew up. I'm Elisipi. I'm a singer-songwriter from uh, Nunavik, small town in Saluit, and I'm based in Montreal now. Elisabeth is out with a new album called Inuktitut. And Inuktitut, it means the way of the Inuit, if you really translate it properly. But Inuktitut is also the language of Inuit people. The 
songs are sung in Inuktitut, and they're all covers. Bob Dylan's Wild Horses and Cyndi Lauper's Time After Time. This was the soundtrack of her youth. As a teenager, she'd perform alongside her uncle, George Kakayuk, who was the front man for the 1970s Inuit rock band Sugluk. This album was, funnily, it was supposed to be a simple in-between albums project that I've always wanted to do, make a simple guitar voice uh, cover songs where it's just, it's like air. We hear the air of the North through these songs that were important to me as a kid, translated in my language. It was such a simple idea that I've always wanted to do. And it, it became this big thing because I realized I started crying from very deep places and I'm like, why am I crying to Heart of Glass? I wish you were here. What's that door that's been locked? living in Montreal from such a small town, such a very special place, you feel like a visitor all the time where, where you live because it's so different, you know? And that sense of belonging is so important, you know, in the North. And I realized, oh, I miss, I miss this feeling. I miss being connected to people. And I've become this, you know, maybe more individualist uh, person. And I'm like, why, why am I here? You know, why am I not home? At home, history weighed heavy. The Inuktitut were traditionally nomadic, driving sleds with dogs and hunting seals along the Hudson Strait. Then about 50 years ago, the Canadian government set up federal schools and residential schools and required Inuit children from across the region to attend. She says they went from being nomads to being stuck in one town. So everything shifted in such a short time. I think a lot of our grandparents felt very out of place, also confused to how they should go about, you know, because they we have such a strong culture. If you think about the North, the Arctic in general, there's such resilience and such thriving people, you know, for millennia. From being a kid, toddler to teenage years, I think this is where I saw maybe started remembering a lot of things because this was very intense for Inuit also, you know. There's a lot of suicide that started appearing in, yeah, a lot of hard times, I think. Um, it was manifesting through this need to, you know, um, try to express yourself feeling stuck and um, yeah, it's it's been hard since, but it's still in our body to to really to to continue uh, living because of the of maybe of the land of the territory that teaches us to be very humble and always um, live today for today, you know. So I think that is a huge strength in a in a culture that's going through the hardships. So. I have great memories as a, as a kid, but I think making this album also reminded me what was behind those beautiful, what looked like beautiful dancing, um, fun memories. There was also this underlayer of 
what we were going through. Yeah. She says the trauma her grandparents dealt with weighed heavy on her and her friends. A lot of the songs are about death. As a teen, she remembers putting on Pink Floyd's I Wish You Were Here each time a friend or a cousin committed suicide, just smoking weed and going numb. We just gather in a bedroom of a cousin and feel like just silence and just listen to Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. And and when I re-listen to it, I realize, oh, this is... This is why I can't really go there because it, it, it represents something a bit that's been not moving, you know. And I realized I've been carrying such um, love for sure, but also a sense of uh, maybe responsibility to, to care, to feel. Maybe I need to let them go and also start seeing things in a different way, revisit that event. And that's been kind of stuck there and not knowing that it's been stuck there. So maybe I need to just shake it up a little bit, work on it, sing it in Inuktitut and rearrange it and see what happens. And I realized it was the most freeing thing. song now with light you know it's almost like a sacred song for me now and the fact that uh, this amazing brass quartet from uh, new york uh, the westerlies did such a beautiful version of of that are uh, rearranging it it was almost like their gift to me in order to to break free in a way so yeah i know they're gonna my cousins my friends are gonna understand the choice i made and i'm just hoping it's you know, sun gets to them too, like it did to me. Montreal-based singer-songwriter Elisa P. Isaac. She's out with her new cover album, Inuktitut, now.
This is Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Monica Sandreski here with Todd Moe. And in the last couple minutes of the show, we want to make sure to mention some community calendar items. NCPR is the media sponsor for the Bob Stump Band. Join for an evening of bluegrass and Americana music at the Adirondack Lake Center for the Arts in Blue Mountain Lake. That's coming up this Friday evening uh, at 7 o'clock. You can find out more at ncpr.org slash calendar. Hot Club of of, uh, Saratoga is going to be at Blue Seed Studios in Saranac Lake Friday night. Uh, The doors open at 6.30. The show starts at 7.00. That's a great group out of Saratoga Hot Club. They're going to be in Saranac Lake at Blue Seed Friday night starting at 7.00. And just a reminder to keep your eye on everything that's happening at the Adirondack Folk School. They've always got great classes going on. You can learn how to chain a, uh, a cha- excuse me, cane a chair, uh, but also how to do blacksmithing. This week they've got um, a class on making copper lanterns on a bluestone base. They're going to be punching and shaping copper sides and tops to attach them to a stone base. Uh, you can find out more from the AdirondackFolkSchool.org. Always a lot going on there, uh, touching on some of the traditional arts and crafts of upstate New York. That's at AdirondackFolkSchool.org. Also, music coming up on Saturday at afternoon at 2 o'clock. Maeve Gilchrist in concert, harper, composer, and producer. Uh, phenomenal harp player. Uh, she'll be at uh, the Yellow Barn concert series. That's the Iva S- Smith Memorial Gallery of Fine Art, the big yellow barn in Hammond. Join Maeve Gilchrist in concert Saturday, September 23rd, 2 p.m. Tickets are $10 at the door, children under 12, and high school students doing assignments for extra credit can attend, attend for free. Uh, no one turned away. That's coming up uh, on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Some great music in Hammond. And that's it for Northern Light for this Wednesday. It's the 20th of September. Morning Edition continues in just a couple of minutes. Then stick around later this morning for an important conversation on 1A, America's middle housing crisis. Why President Biden is pushing states to change regulations that have slowed the construction of affordable alternatives to single-family homes. Stay informed with 1A between 10 and noon right here on NCPR. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Moe. Great to have you with us this half hour. Thanks for listening. Be well.